Most of us, brothers and sisters, walk around life carrying a burden. We carry the weight of trying to be successful, to be a success. It might look a little bit differently in each of our minds, but we desire this quality of success, to be a successful person. I want you to imagine or to think about uh, the person you think is the most successful human being that you know. What does success look like? What does that person do? I was thinking about that question recently, and so I did what any self-respecting millennial would do. I Googled it. And Google helpfully responded with a great number of hits, many more definitions than I could possibly uh, give you today. I could be here all night, of course, but we're not going to be. But there was one thing that kept coming up over and over again on every site that I uh, looked at real quick. I wasn't doing a deep dive. One thing that was in common on almost every site was something like this that their definitions of success were completely subjective and completely relative to each individual person. One of them wrote this, you get to write your own definition of success. But what if you're wrong? It's a serious question. What gives us this assurance brothers and sisters, that when we think of what success is, we believe that we know truly what it is. We all want to be happy. We've talked about that. It's one of my tropes and homilies at this point. But we often disagree on what will make us truly happy. For some, we think that our happiness will be found in fame or wealth or honor or pleasure or the relative um, approbation of people. And the Lord's words today in the Beatitudes, they respond to that desire for happiness, but they do so in a way that is that flips success on its head, doesn't it? The Beatitudes respond to our natural desire for happiness, for success. The desire is of divine origin, of course, as the Catechism says. God has placed it in the human heart in order to draw man to the one who alone can fill it. As the thirst for wa- thirst points to water, so and hunger to food, so this desire, this weight that we carry around with us, points to our desire for God. It points to God Himself. God put us into this world to know Him, to love Him, and to serve Him, and so to come to paradise. Beatitude makes us partakers of the divine nature and of that eternal life. With beatitude, and this is what Jesus says, blessed are those who are hungry and thirsty. Blessed are those who are poor. Blessed are those who are meek. Man enters into the glory of Christ and into the joy of Trinitarian life. Now friends, that invitation that invitation to be a partaker of the divine nature, that's 
the invitation we want to follow when we think of success. And it's, it, can be, uh, it can be breathtaking to consider that. It can be something that we, almost incredible. C.S. Lewis, he wrote an essay one time. It's called The, the Weight of Glory. I encourage you to go Google it. You can find it online. It's about nine pages long. And he says this in it. This promise that the Lord makes in the Beatitudes today goes on to say this. The promise of glory is the promise almost incredible and only possible by the work of Christ that some of us, that any of us who really chooses shall actually survive the judgment, shall find approval, shall please God to please God, to be a real ingredient in the divine happiness, to be loved by God, not merely pitied, but delighted in as an artist delights in his work or as a father delights in his son. It seems impossible, a weight or a burden of glory which our thoughts can hardly sustain, but so it is. The testimony of Scripture, the testimony of our Lord points to it Jeremiah longed for it as a prophet. He said, don't pay attention to human estimation. Look for the Lord. Blessed is the one who hopes in the Lord, brothers and sisters, as the psalmist says. And the resurrection of Christ that St. Paul points to today in the second reading should fill us with hope for where the master goes, so also the disciple is to follow. But to go with him, means that we must be like him. And he was poor. And he hungered for righteousness' sake. And he was meek. And he was pure of heart. And he was persecuted. Indeed, brothers and sisters, the only real sadness, the only real failure, the only great tragedy in life is not to become a saint. It's not to become a saint. To do that, there is a cost. What are you willing, how are you willing to follow, are you willing, let's just start there, are you willing to follow Jesus to the point of being poor, to the point of being hungry, to the point of offering everything you are to share in his own sorrows so that you can be like him, so that if you weep today, you'll laugh with him forever. Let me just suggest that to be a saint then, brothers and sisters, looks like to imitate the Beatitudes, to imitate he who embodied the Beatitudes. It means to be so fashioned, as we prayed in the collect today, so fashioned by the grace of God that we become a dwelling pleasing to God, a dwelling pleasing pleasing to our Lord. But that confronts us with those choices, friends. It confronts us with decisive moral choices in the words of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. It invites us to purify our hearts of bad instincts, to seek the love of God above all else. It teaches us that true happiness is not found in those things that we can see, that we can touch, that we can taste or in any human achievement, but only in God alone, the source of every good and of all love. And every time you and I come to communion, every time you and I are present here at the liturgy, 
We want to be a more and more fitting dwelling for the Lord. Friends, we walk around with the burden every day, but it's not a burden that should make us sad. It's the weight of eternal glory.